I wonder how many have their hearts set to receive the word of the Lord. This has been a, a great weekend. Uh, there are going to be a number of things that will forever be etched in our minds because of events that have shaped time as we know it. I'm going to be as brief as I possibly can. One verse as you're standing in the Lord's presence. One verse. We've issued uh, letters this morning to uh, the body of believers here. Please accept those. They came from the very depths of our heart with sincerity. Can you just give uh, those persons who have extended themselves in great lengths through this pandemic, the band, the worship team, the ushers, uh, the greeters. Come on, can you just, the persons who are disinfecting our church, making it ready for worship. Come on, give them a, a, a hand of appreciation. Brother Jerry Fuquay, who's given of his, himself uh, to make these videos available. And Sister Kenya and my wife, myself, we came out and through the course of this pandemic, we have kept the church presentable and ready for worship. So those folks are deserving of that wonderful hand clap of appreciation from you, the members here at Harvest Church. We said as the Lord had impressed upon our hearts last week that February, Brother Greg, was the month of love. Valentine's Day is in the month of February, the month of love. So God has impressed upon our hearts a series of messages that revolve around love. I mean, no, love's not just an emotion. Oh, my. Love is an act of the will. Love is a choice. Love is a sacrifice. Amen? So I want to read one verse in your hearing today, penned in the Word of God, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. I believe I quoted this verse last week in our message. So I want to use it today as our text. Romans 5 and 8. It's available on the screen. The Word of God so states, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Can I dissect that verse a little bit? Just, just a touch. Can I tell us what the word demonstrate means? The word demonstrate means to clearly show the existence of truth or something by giving proof or evidence. I mean, know today that God didn't just say it. It wasn't just a bunch of words. There was not a written script. But God clearly proved his love toward us. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now that you anoint it, that it would minister to the hearts of your people present here today. Those watching and listening via social media. For whatever you accomplish, we'll glorify and give you praise. God's church shouted amen. Amen. You might be seated. In the very presence of the Lord. I want to use for a subject thought this morning the meaning of the cross. The meaning of the cross. The cross is a symbol known the world over. Yeah, it's on the mantle in many people's homes. Many people wear it around their necks. As a matter of fact, many years ago, a young lady told me, I don't know why you wear that cross. Jesus isn't on it. I said, no. But it's a token reminder to me that he was. Hallelujah. It's a reminder to me that Jesus died on the cross. You know, we live in a virtual world. 
Yeah. I heard a pastor say this morning, if you have your Bible or whatever device you use to access the Word of God, it's, it's reality. We live in a virtual world. Cell phones have become uh, something we depend upon. So I'll talk a little bit about that today. But I first want to talk about where we begin to experience love. I'm, I'm very observant, and I watch babies, their interaction with their parents. I watch the connection and the bond that is formed in their infancy. That little girl already knows my voice. She's dialed in this morning as small as she is. She has went to sleep many nights right here as we practice singing. So she's familiar with the pastor's loud, loud mouth. Let's, let's say it like that. She knows me very well. But I watch my own grandchildren. I watch those boys as they develop this dependency upon the care and provision of their parents. Only God could place that within us as individuals. Don't ask me how that a child knows its parents. It just does. Can't explain it. Other than I believe in my heart that it's a bond that God created in them from their inception. Is that all right? That's the only thing I know. I believe it carries over even into the animal world as we see it. But through time, we mature and we grow. And we attempt to replace that connection, that something, with someone. Am I right? Man, when we young ladies and young gentlemen begin to develop and mature, a little fuzz on our top lip, chin, yeah. We, we, we attempt to replace that connection, that bond that we have with our parents or those that provided and cared for us. We attempt to replace that with someone. Right? And we used to date, but that's kind of a thing of the past now. But the English playwright, William Shakespeare, I'm certain we're familiar with Shakespeare, wrote Hamlet, Romeo, and Juliet. William Shakespeare said, and I quote, Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind. But what if we, as a generation, are focusing too much on looking with our eyes, rather than our minds? Think about that. Think about that for a moment. I stated previously, we live in a virtual world. You know what happens in a virtual world, Brother Marty? Nothing exists as it really is. Praise the Lord, preacher. Somebody say, that picture is photoshopped. On our electronic devices... We have all kinds of things that enhance photographs. Y'all don't look at me like a mule at a new gate now. I know what I'm talking about. Because I see some of your pictures on there. And I see your picture and I say, that's not the real them. 
Preach, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Preach. Come on, saints of God. So I must say today, dear friends of mine, by portraying that image, by taking that perfect Instagram photo, by releasing or articulating that perfect Facebook status, we are sending the wrong signal to the world. Amen or oh me. It's just the truth. Because what we do is that we confuse others by setting high boundaries, by basing our standards on television. Basing our standard on actors and models that we see where? On TV and on social media. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but in America there is too much reality television. I hear my co-workers talk about it all the time. And if it ain't keeping up with this one, it's keeping up. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch that stuff. My wife said if it doesn't have a ball on the channel, the TV don't work at our house. But I'll be honest with you, social media presents this image that is not true. So we are focusing too much on what we see rather than our minds. Oh, my saints of God. You can forget about dating. That's the thing of the past. Love letters, meaningful gestures like opening a car door for a young lady. Those things are gone. Preach, Pastor. And we've replaced them. We've replaced them. Listen, friend of mine. We've replaced those things with a like or a poke or something. How about an emoji? Y'all like, Pastor, you know what an emoji is? Yeah, I know what an emoji is. They fake too. Because I want to tell you today that a heart is not the perfect symbol of love. Preach, Pastor. You're like, but I'm thankful for the person who put it out there because it kind of helps me say what I need to say. I used to tell my children about texting. I said, why in the God's name do I want to risk my life driving down the road trying to text when I can pick up the phone and talk to you? And is it texting one of the leading causes of death in the world? Texting? It is if you say amen or oh me. It is. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. But... Even that desperation to portray a perfect life on social media now even includes our relationships. We shouldn't have to get on Facebook for the world to know we love our spouse. It's quiet in here now. We shouldn't have to get on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or anything else and, and paint this untrue picture of how in love we are. We shouldn't have to. People ought to know it when they see us. Preach, Pastor. Amen. It's the truth. I'm talking about the meaning of the cross. I'm talking about that greatest symbol of love that the world has ever seen. Because I want to tell you something that you may not grasp. And what is that? Relationships are imperfect. I said relationships are imperfect. That connection we have, Brother Jody, it's not always consistent. I said to someone years ago, Brother Jonathan, my wife and I have never been in a single argument. And they looked at me like, that's impossible. I said, not when there are doubles and triples and home runs. You don't.
don't know baseball. You'll get it later. Singles, first base, double second, triples third. Home runs all the way around. So our conversations have been all the way around. Some of you will still get it tomorrow. Preach on, Pastor. I want to say to us today that we need to learn to love each other. And we need to learn to love our partners and we need to learn to love them completely the way that Jesus loves. And when I see the cross, I see the greatest symbol of love that the world could ever know. The greatest symbol of love the world could ever know. Somebody said, well, how, how can you put that together? It's just one upright beam with a transverse beam stretched across. The, that, I mean, that's just as simple as how, how could it be the greatest symbol of love that the world has ever known? Not only was the cross one of the cruelest forms of punishment in Jesus' day, this is where uh, they crucified criminals. Am I right, saints of God? Not only is it one of the cruelest forms of execution, but it has now become the symbol of abundant life. It's the greatest demonstration of love that the world has ever known and will ever witness the cross of Jesus Christ. The message, the meaning of the cross. Isn't it amazing that the cross forms an intersection? What is that? that that's, pretty, that's pretty powerful. It forms an intersection. An intersection of God's love and God's justice. Well, what is an intersection? It's a point or a line where two things cross. That's an intersection. Lufthansa airline president. German aviator and executive along with religious leader Dieter Uchtdorf. He writes, though we are incomplete, God loves us completely. Though we are imperfect, he loves us perfectly. Though we may feel lost and without compass, God's love encompasses us Completely. He loves every one of us, even those who are flawed, rejected, awkward, sorrowful, and or broken. Somebody ought to said, what a God we serve. What a God we serve to love us even when we feel this host of characteristics. Nobody could love us like Jesus. In Christianity... Our faith, the person and teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed that it's the only faith where God reaches down to us? Anybody? Anybody ever noticed that of all the faiths in the world, it's the only faith where its deity reaches down to humanity? What a God. There's not a God like our God. Hallelujah. Our response to God's love should be like that of Paul when he writes to the Philippians. And, and, and how is that? It should be to know God personally. You might ask me today, Brother Blue, how can I know God personally? I said last Sunday that he stripped himself of his majestic splendor and glory. He embodied human flesh, left everything that heaven had and came down to earth in the humblest state known to man, was born in a manger, in a stable, in Bethlehem. He did all of that because of love. 
That's what makes our God different from any other deity. He reaches out to us. He thrives in relationships. Pastor, what is relationships? It's sharing connectivity. That's what relationships is. Come on, somebody, or that's what relationships are. So God wanted a personal relationship with us, his people. Paul says in Philippians 3 and 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Pastor, I see what the scripture says, but I'm not clear on what it means. Can, can, can you help me? Oh, my friend, I'm, I'm dying to help you because Paul says I want to know Jesus Christ in the person of who he is. I want to suffer with him and for what he's done for me. I am willing to share even in his death I don't know how you define it but I underscore that as love in his greatest form that's love in his greatest form when you're willing to suffer shame and punishment and even death with someone you love that's the highest form of love there is hallelujah and Paul said to Roman, to the Romans that God displayed, he demonstrated this. He clearly proved it with this body of evidence by sending his son to die on the cross. The greatest symbol of love the world has ever seen. Have you ever thought in your mind that Jesus Christ, the son of almighty God, have you ever thought that he just made a conscious choice to die for sin? Have you ever thought that? If you have, you're one of the millions who has. Millions of people have thought that God, in the form of Jesus Christ, consciously decided to die for the sins of all of humanity. Let me help you with something. Christ's death was an act of his will, not as God, but as a human being. Was Jesus not fully man and fully God? When he prayed in that garden, he took the inner circle of his disciples, Peter, James, and John with him. And he said, tarry here with me while I pray. Brother Wesley, he, he ventures off, uh, the Bible said, a stone's throw from them. And he begins to agonize in the presence of God. And he says, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He returns to ask the disciples, couldn't you pray with me for a little while? Sister Abby, they had gotten uh, sleepy and fallen asleep. And Jesus, here he was, pleading for his own life, knowing that he's going to imminent death by way of the cross. And he says, these guys don't love me. All they care about is snoozing. They're catching a nap. Anybody remember how Jesus prayed? Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Many, many, many times we have felt that Jesus Christ died for humanity as God. But Jesus Christ died for humanity as a human being. It was an act of his he made a choice to die, realizing that his death was the remedy for all of mankind's sin. Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him. Oh, glory to God. In the power of his resurrection, it was an act of Jesus' will, not as God. 
but as a man. Let's look at Philippians 2, 7 and 8. The Bible states it like this. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What a God we serve, saints. The message of the cross. It was obedience that drove Jesus to the cross. Because although he was confined to humanity, Although he was confined to a human body, he submitted to the authority of God his Father. And he submitted to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Am I right? When he got up, he knew that he was destined to die the death of the cross. And he didn't go part of the way. Brother Jeff, he went all the way. Hallelujah. You understand something with me. If the enemy could have gotten Jesus to stop and abandon his mission at any point, then the plan of salvation would have been made null and void. Hallelujah to God. I want to tell us here at Harvest this morning that Jesus hung on the cross on purpose. Hallelujah. It was not some last ditch effort to save humanity. Jesus hung on the cross on purpose. Fulfilling the will of God, his Father. Can I get one amen, somebody? For since the beginning, God had been planning the rescue of humanity from the clutches of sin's evil snare by way of a perfect sacrifice, later known as the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. So thank God today. It was Jesus confined to a human body. Stripped of his majestic glory and splendor, he enjoyed in heaven. It took that to identify with us in this world. And he died on purpose. Oh, let's look at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 and 4. And the Bible tells us he's despised and rejected by men. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as if it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Can I go to verse 5? Oh, hallelujah. Can I go to verse 5? He was wounded for our transgressions. Somebody ought to help me right here. Whoa, he was bruised for our iniquities. The very chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I wish I had about three people that would jump up and say glory to God. Hallelujah, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell us. I'm going to close in a few moments, but Jesus was, hey, amen, he carried our weakness. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God for our sins, but he was pierced, thank the living God, for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. 
He was whipped so we could be healed. Oh, glory to God. I don't know, hallelujah to God, how that registers with you. But I want to tell you that someone who took my place is worthy of my praise. Someone who stepped in and said, I'll be willing to go all the way. Someone who left the splendor of heaven and came to earth in the lowest form of a bondservant is worthy of my praise. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And here's what I want to hair lip the devil with. He didn't have to do it, but he still did. Come on, somebody. The Bible said, Brother Wesley, on the way up to the cross, suffering that mental shame and anguish, knowing he's going to be crucified by a cross. We understand the Bible said he could have called a thousands of angels and let himself go free, but he made a choice to go for you and for me. Love is an act of the will. Love is a choice. Love demands a sacrifice. Am I preaching, saints of God? Oh, glory to God. Not only was Jesus punished but prophesied, so was our atonement. You missed it. I said not only was his punishment prophesied, so was our atonement. I used that word last week, atonement, and I broke it down at one minute. You know what it further means? It means that it was the reconciliation of God and mankind through the person of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that we were separated? Our sins had put distance between us. But Brother Buller, let me tell you what Jesus did. Brother Anthony, we were on this side and on that side. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, Father, I'll just go down and I'll die by way of the cross. And though the sins of man have separated him from your presence, I'll be the bridge. Glory to God that brings us back together. Can I get, I can't get no amen in here. What Jesus said is, amen, though I was disfigured, though I was tormented, though I was whipped, hallelujah to God, with a cat of nine tails, though I was paraded before a crowd of witnesses, though they placed a crown of thorns upon my head, many stripes upon my back, Jesus said, Father, if it be thy will, ah, glory to God, nevertheless not mine, but your will be done. And Jesus willfully left the majestic splendor of heaven to come to earth to die for people unworthy like you and me. Uh, you might need to make somebody some room. I feel a shout about to break out. I said he left the splendor of heaven to die for somebody unworthy like you and like me. Come on, you ain't always been as good looking as you are right now. You ain't always smelled as pretty as you do right now. You haven't always looked as presentable as you do right now. Some of us, he reached way down below the bottom and rescued us. Some of us, like David, he picked us up at the miry clay, set our feet on a rock, put a new song in our hearts. Yes, he did yes he did have I any witnesses in this house don't y'all shout me down now 
Oh, you, 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 you projected this image. Uh, you don't want other people to know where you've been and what you've done. But let me tell you something. God takes that magic eraser and he wipes it away. Never, Oh, glory to God. Never to be brought up anymore. That's the God I serve. Mr. Clean thought he had a magic eraser. God one-upped him when he sent Jesus to the cross. The Old Testament writer said, as far as the east is from the west, so far has it removed our transgressions from us. Somebody said, what in the world are you talking about? You remember when you pulled up in your mom and daddy's yard in the wee hours of the morning and you don't even know how you got there. Glory to the Lamb of God. That was nothing more than the mercy of the Lord sparing you for a time when you could consciously call on him to be the Savior of your life. Come on somebody tried drugs. They strung you out. But I want to tell you he was hung out for the strung out. Glory to the Lamb of God. I want to tell you he was wounded for our sins. He was bruised for our iniquity. The Bible said the punishment we deserve was upon him. But by his stripes we are healed. Talk about love. That's the greatest form of love the world has ever seen. Oh, my. He was disfigured, tormented. He was abused just so you could be whole. Hello? He took upon himself all this punishment just so we could be healed. What a divine exchange. Yeah. What a divine exchange. His life for ours. We're forever indebted to Jesus Christ. We now clearly understand the meaning of the cross. I'm trying to finish. How many of y'all remember a song way, way back in the 60s? Now, if you're under 40, you don't know what in the world I'm talking about. Don't worry. I'm going to move up close with it. But back in 1960, before I was born, there were two guys called the Everly Brothers, and they sang a song called Love Hurts. But then, in 1974, that was my heyday, yeah, back in 74, there was a rock band called Nazareth, how, how appropriate, a rock band called Nazareth. But Nazareth remixed this song, Love Hurts. Go home, look it up. I know some of you will. You can Google it in a heartbeat. YouTube it, whatever you want to do. You can find it. 1974, that band released the song, Love Hurts. Some, some of you want to form the mindset that because Jesus was fully God and fully man, that his experience on the cross couldn't have been as painful as it would for you and me. But I want you to know that's the farthest thing from the truth. Because he felt every bit of it. He felt it. I want to tell you after his sham trial. And after they beat him with that cat of nine tails. 
The Bible tells us in Matthew 27, 29 that Roman soldiers, they twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on Jesus' head. Isn't that what it says? And they put a reed in his right hand. And they bowed their knee before him. And they mocked him. Saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Ah. He was beaten. He was spit upon. He was insulted. And the devil in hell didn't even know that while using those Roman soldiers to twist that crown of thorns <laughs> that they were bringing to our remembrance the curse that was placed upon humanity. You hear me? Honey, let's look at Genesis 3, 17 and 18. Then to Adam God said, because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both, listen, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field. Brother Joey, and Roman soldiers had no idea that that crown of thorns would serve as a reminder of two things. That not only was he a king, he's still the king. Oh, you better help me now. Not only was he a king, he is still the king. And Jesus was willing to endure all that pain, all that shame, all those insults on our account. Am I right? You see, them soldiers, they took an object of the curse. Help me a minute, Brother Jay. They took an object of the curse, a thorn. You with me? How many tracking? You following me? They fashioned an object of the curse into a crown for the only one that could deliver us from the curse. Did you get that? I said they took an object of the curse. And fashioned it to be worn by the only Wow! They fashioned it for the one and the only one who could wear it to cure us from the curse. 
You ought to stand on your feet and give him praise in this house. Ah, go to Glory to the Lamb of God. They had no idea. They were oblivious to the fact that they were using an object of the curse to fashion a headpiece for the only one who could cure us from the curse. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, love hurts. Love hurts. Love hurts. Galatians 3.13, honey. I want to support what I have stated with further evidence. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Somebody love Jesus in this house for a minute. Come on. Love Jesus for a minute. For although that cross was intended to be a mockery, that crown of thorns was the perfect representation of who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. I want to close with this last point. One last point. And that point is that unconditional love was on full display on the cross of Jesus Christ. Anybody with me? That unconditional love. Anybody know what unconditional means? Unconditional means not subject to any conditions. Hallelujah to God. Unconditional love. And I want to tell you something. We talked about emojis earlier. It's nothing uncommon for us to send a, our wife a text and instead of typing out the words, I love you, we'll put that heart emoji. Am I right, girls? Am I right? Some of us will put heart, 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 heart. You know. Am I right? Somebody give me a nod if I'm in the building. Hallelujah. It's just become the norm for us. Am I right? But I want to tell you that's not the perfect symbol of love. A heart is not the perfect symbol of love. The cross is. Yeah. The cross. The perfect symbol of love. Matthew 27. The Bible tells us the soldiers gambled for Jesus' clothes. That chapter tells us that criminals on both sides of him were criticizing him. The scriptures go on to tell us that religious leaders were mocking him. And even the crowd was blaspheming them. Can somebody tell me what Jesus was doing in the midst of that? Can I help you? Can I tell you what Jesus was doing in the midst of all that? Luke tells us in Luke 23 and 34. He tells us, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And you want to know what I can tell you about unconditional love? Because I can tell you about the Apostle Peter. Hey, Brother Jonathan, you know what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus said, I'm going to die by way of the cross? I'm paraphrasing. But you want to know what Peter said? Peter said, I won't let it happen to you. Peter said, Lord, I'm willing to go with you to prison. I'll let you know right now, I'm even willing to die for you. But Jesus rebuked him, Brother Oceanus, openly. And Jesus said, get thee behind me Satan for thou savorest the things of man and not of God 
Why did Jesus say those things? Because he knew that Peter's love was superficial. That's right. He knew when Peter said, I love you, that he didn't mean it. He knew it. The Bible said that when they crucified Jesus, the last living eyewitness of that was John, the beloved apostle. Where was Peter? He was warming at a damsel's fire. But Peter wasn't the only one. Cam, he wasn't the only one. All of them left but John. All of them. But Peter was the one who had foot and mouth disease. You know, stuck his foot in his mouth before he thought. That was Peter. Brother Chucky, he said, Lord, this is how much I love you. I'm going to go to prison with you. And if it takes it, I die with you. Jesus said, you're lying. You don't love me. But did Jesus write him off, Jody? Nope. When Jesus was later in the presence of his disciples, he said, I want to meet the remainder of you in an undisclosed area. He said, and somebody go get Peter. Woo! Somebody ought to give him praise. He said, go tell Peter too. Didn't he do it, Brother Greg? He said, go tell Peter. Can I tell you about unconditional love? It knows no conditions. And even though Peter lied and he denied the Lord, the Lord still loved him. Don't you appreciate God being the God he is? Come on, y'all. Don't you appreciate a God like that? He said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, Lord, you know I love you. Somebody said, preacher, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? wonder why Jesus asked Peter three times. Somebody said, well, I guess it would be in direct connection for the fact that he denied him three times. But let me tell you what Jesus told Peter. When he said, get thee behind me, Satan, he said, Peter, he said, I need to alert you to something. He said, before that cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Now, can you imagine what was going through Peter's mind when he heard that rooster crow for the first time? Can you imagine? But then two more times in succession, that rooster began to crow. I can get pretty animated sometimes now. One lady told me on her service I sounded like a lion. She said, you like to scared me to death. I said, you need to get your heart right with the Lord. But before that rooster crowed three times, Peter had denied the Lord. But in a display of unconditional love, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to meet you guys. Go tell Peter to come too. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Go feed my sheep, Peter. Peter, I need to ask you one more time. Do you love me? Lord, I thought we settled this already. I love you. Jesus said, go feed my lambs. I want you to read that in your leisure. It was a display of unconditional love. And even though we at times have denied the Lord, we can too be restored. Can I get an amen, somebody? Come on, y'all. I said, even though we denied the Lord, we too can be restored. Look at Luke 7, 47. The Bible says our past failures can be battle scars in our lives. 
propelling us toward greater devotion and stricter loyalty to Jesus. How can that happen? When we recall how much we've been forgiven. Anybody been forgiven at Harvest? Come on, I said, has anybody been forgiven at Harvest Church today? Do you believe you can be of great worth and value to the kingdom of God? Through your failures and flaws, I've determined this. I've resolved in my mind, I have drawn this determination. And that is that no failure is final unless you accept it. Amen. We can rise from the ashes of defeat to be used mightily in the kingdom work of God if we will submit ourselves to his will. Probably went a little bit over time today. But I want to tell you I felt the presence of God in a strong way. And we need to understand the message of the cross. The ushers are coming. Ask this Dox and Dine to join us here in the center. We're going to be dismissed. But I want to emphasize again in your presence, there's nothing that demonstrates the love of God for us that is any greater than the message and the symbol of the cross. May it be forever embedded in our hearts and a visual in our minds so that we know unmistakably the love of God. God bless you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Come on, sweetheart. Amen. The ushers are already in place. May the Lord's richest blessings be added to your life is our prayer.